Hello and welcome to Grace Life Tigerberg. We are a gospel-centered church family focused on reaching the unreached and making disciples. We pray this teaching will help you to grow in your relationship with Jesus and discover more of the reality of Christianity. Amen. Awesome. So uh, we are busy with uh, a series that we kicked off last week and uh, just entitled Short and Sweet Salvation. And uh, last week was really awesome. The teaching is on SoundCloud. And I'm just going to quickly do a recap on um, just what we're busy with. And we really want to understand the, the, the purpose of our salvation, uh, understand the, the empowering of our salvation, and then how to, to, to use this empowering and how to activate this so that we can actually live fruitful lives, right? There's so many Christians who uh, have experienced salvation in some, in some way. They've got the empowering, but they're just kind of uh, living on load shedding in a sense. Uh, the power is there, but it's also not there. It's available, but they're not being used. And so we don't want to sit with the power and not use the power. Amen? And uh, if you do want to just sit on uh, your, your blessed assurance, then uh, like Norman said, you're going to be challenged. Um, so much so that uh, you might feel like someone has put a pebble in your shoe. And it's uncomfortable to have a pebble in your shoe, right? It's not fun. Like it's, you know it's there and it's like it's, it's hurting a little bit, but not completely, but it's irritating in a sense. And uh, there's, a, there's a scripture that talks about we need to spur one another unto love and good works. And uh, that spurring is uh, where the, the cowboy word spur comes from, not the, the restaurant, but uh, the, the spur that is on the back of the, the boot of a cowboy. And those spikes are intended to get the horse going. It's a little bit uncomfortable for that horse when it gets uh, nudged in the side. Uh, it doesn't hurt the horse, it just gets it in an uncomfortable position to go forward. And so we want to spur one another. And we want to make each other uncomfortable. So when testimonies are shared, sometimes you feel uncomfortable because you're not doing anything with uh, the life that Jesus came to provide for you. And it's good that you're uncomfortable. It's good that you feel like, oh man, like I haven't done anything. It's good that you feel uncomfortable. Don't feel condemned though. That's not God's heart. But feel uncomfortable to the degree where you're like, man, like I also want to have a testimony. And guess what? If you want to have a testimony, it's going to require you to actually step out. Um, imagine that. Uh, having a testimony is uh, going to require you to step out. Uh, so uh, let's, uh, let's uh, partake together of the Word and uh, receive what God has for us this morning. So last week we looked at our, just uh, the, the common salvation we have, and I just want to look at one, one verse, and then we're going to get into this morning's uh, message. We looked at Jude chapter 1 verse 3, which says, Jude says, Beloved, when I gave, you, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that we should live earnestly and contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. And then Galatians chapter 3 verse 14, we looked at this as well, and says, To the end that through their receiving Christ Jesus, the blessing to Abraham might come unto the Gentiles, so that we through faith might receive the promise of the Holy Spirit. And so we looked at there's only one salvation. There's not different salvations. There's not a special salvation for this person. The pastor up front doesn't have a special salvation. The evangelist going into the world and reaching the millions, they don't have a special salvation. All of us came to salvation, received Christ through one way, faith in what Jesus has done. Faith in Jesus' death, His resurrection, and the outpouring of the Spirit. And so that's a, that's a, that's a powerful truth that we need to come and settle in our hearts because we do too often place people in different boxes and say, but they're a little bit more special than I am. They're a little bit more empowered than I am. And that's not God's heart. That's a tactic of the devil. That's a great tactic, uh, if you think about it, that he makes believers believe that I don't have it all. I need to get some more. I haven't gone through all of these 
these jumps and jumped over that hurdle. And so I'm not, I'm not, I'm not strengthened. I'm not empowered to actually do the work. I'm, I'm not qualified to do the work. And we want to uh, debunk all of that through this series so that we can actually go out and be fruitful and be the light of this world. Amen? Thank you for those uh, amens. Uh, the rest of you, I trust that you'll get along and uh, get onto the bus so that we can go together. Amen? Because we're stronger together. So uh, we're going to look at the, the question, is there a baptism of the Holy Spirit? Is there a baptism of the Holy Spirit? And so um, open up your hearts. And oftentimes we believe certain things in the Word, and we, we kind of uh, just believe it because someone has told us about it, and uh, the church, as a, in a general sense, believes this. So surely this is the whole truth and nothing but the truth so help our God. And uh, we want to get into the, the Bible and the Word this morning. And so let's go to, what's the first scripture? Yeah, Devin, you can put it up there for us. Ezekiel. Ezekiel 36, verse 26 and 27. It says, And I will give you a new heart, and I will put a new spirit in you. I'll take out your stony and stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. I'll put my spirit in you so that you will follow my degrees and be careful to obey my regulations. Now, just verse 27, uh, just to, I have to kind of uh, just go there. How amazing that I will put my spirit in you so that you will follow my degrees and be careful to obey my regulations. The empowering to live holy is not our desire to live holy. The empowering to live holy is God's spirit in us. That's the empowering. Religion has said we need to do, we need to strive, we need to stop this, we need to start doing that. That's not what God's word teaches. God's word teaches that your, my spirit in you is the empowering to live holy. My spirit in you is the desire, the will, and also the means to live holy, to follow God's ways. Because when, when we've received God's spirit, we've become one with him. And so now the only thing we need to do is to come to know him, like father, like son. And a lot of children don't know their father. The word I shared earlier on with regards to, uh, and, and Charmaine even, like she didn't know her father. Uh, I'm talking about now God the Father. She didn't know God the Father. She maybe knew the Godfather. And uh, that's a, a lot of Christians uh, look and perceive God as the Godfather, not God the Father. And when we come to know God our Father, we can start actually uh, uh, aligning our hearts with His and start living out His purposes for our lives. But just here in Ezekiel, we see Ezekiel prophesying about the new birth. He's prophesying about salvation. He's making a, de a declaration of what was, to God, what was to come. God's desire, God's promise from the beginning of time to have His Spirit live in us. Amen? That's a, that, that has been God's plan from the beginning of time. And so this is something that we need to uh, settle in our hearts, that this is God's plan, this is His desire. And so Ezekiel is prophesying about this um, before Jesus came and fulfilled this for us. And then Jesus expounds on this in the Gospels as well. Let's go John uh, chapter 3 quickly. John 3 verse 3 to 5. Jesus answered and said unto him, Very, verily, I say unto you, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? How can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? That's a good question. Don't just listen to things and hear things. And even this morning, don't just listen and take it as truth. We need to go and test the word we're receiving. And so Nicodemus here practiced really good uh, studentry, if it's a word, uh, of, of the word. He was a student of the word. He heard something, 
Jesus said something. He was like, but what about this? How does this, uh, how does this work? And so it's a good question to ask. And we need to also this morning, if uh, some questions come up and you don't understand something, ask the question, make a note of it, and let's study together. So Nicodemus said, ask this question. And Jesus answered, verse 5, Very verily I say unto you, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. So except a man be born of water. Water oftentimes throughout the Bible is used in reference to the Holy Spirit, right? We see Jesus ministering this in John chapter 4, where uh, the woman at the well and Jesus said, if you ask me for water, I will give you the Holy Spirit, or I'll give you the Spirit which will become, uh, I'll give you water which will become living water inside of you, and it will gush forth. And so this is, uh, we see this throughout Scripture where the Holy Spirit is used in reference to water. So when Jesus says, you accept a man be born of water and of the Spirit, it's also important to realize here that the, 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 the Word is actually linked into one another there. It's not water and the Spirit, but it's water which means the Spirit. Sometimes we read the Bible and we kind of put words in there, or our modern language puts certain words in there, and then we separate um, thoughts. We separate things uh, in the Word. So here it's talking about born of water, which is the Spirit. And we're going to get into a little bit more of that uh, this morning. So uh, just uh, stay seated. Don't run off just yet. So Jesus explains this further in John chapter 14. Let's go to John 14, 16 to 17. And it says, And I will pray the Father, and He shall give you another comforter, that He may abide with you forever. Say forever. So forever in the Greek actually means forever. It means uh, for eternity. Amen? So it says forever. Then, verse 17, Even the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it sees Him not, neither knows Him. But you know Him, for He dwells with you and shall be in you. Say in you. Okay, so the Spirit, God, Jesus is prophesying here, and He's talking about the comfort. He's talking about the Holy Spirit, which will come, and He will dwell with you forever, and He will dwell with you, and He shall be in you. This is the reality of Christianity that a lot of people don't believe. And I trust that uh, everyone here will, if you don't believe it, before you leave this uh, place this morning, you'll come to believe this, that this is God's desire. This is the reality of Christianity, the Holy Spirit indwelling man, God's Spirit dwelling in you. And this is eternal life, which uh, without God's Spirit, there is no eternal life. Without God's Spirit, there is no eternal life. Jesus defines this and explains this to us in John 17. He says, Eternal life means to know and to experience you as the only true God and to know and experience Jesus Christ as the Son whom you have sent. So this word knowing is not just an intellectual knowing, but it's intimacy. Because eternal life is about intimacy with God. And how can God have intimacy with us unless we are of the same kind? And how do you become of the same kind as God? Is by receiving His Spirit. God desires to have, uh, and that's why Jesus in John, uh, John chapter 4, when He's ministering to the woman at the well, He says, those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. God's desire for us is to worship Him spirit to spirit. And so intimacy, God, uh, eternal life is about knowing Jesus Christ, and that knowing is about His spirit coming to live inside of you, so that we can have true intimacy with God. There's no other way to have intimacy with God outside of being spirit to spirit, one with Him. 1 Corinthians 6.17, it 
uh, it's talking about this oneness, and it says, but he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit with him. So it's in jo- being joined unto the Lord, and this comes through salvation. This is the picture of salvation. Ephesians 1 also explains this to us. Ephesians 1 verse 13, it says, And now you Gentiles have also heard the truth, which is what? The good news that God saves you. So what is the truth? It's a specific message. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. What was Jesus saying when he was mentioning that? He was declaring a message, a desire, a promise from God. God's will for the world. And so you've heard the word of truth, which is the good news that God saves you. The gospel of salvation. And when you believed in Christ, He identified you as His own by giving you the Holy Spirit, whom He promised long ago. So again, Ephesians, the letters, is expounding unto us the Scriptures. This was a promise from God from long ago. It wasn't a promise just for that time or that just came onto the surface. But it was a promise that was there from the beginning of time. Amen? And so we see a few things here. That takes place. It says, and when you believed in Christ, what happened? He identified you firstly as His own by giving you the Holy Spirit. What did He give you? Okay, so when did that happen? So when you believed, He gave you the Holy Spirit. So we're talking about this concept of, and we're going to expound on it as we're going through, but we're just kind of getting into the building blocks. When you believed, you received the Holy Spirit. So we are going to get into this, the, the, the thought of baptism of the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? Where did that come from? Is that a separate account? Is that another Holy Spirit that we receive? Because here in Ephesians, and uh, uh, we're going to get into some other scriptures, we see that as you've believed in Christ, He identified you as His own by giving the Holy Spirit. So that identification, it came as a, you believe, you receive. It's not you believe and then do this, do that, do the next thing, and then this happens, and then something else happens, and then it's glory, and then it's this, and there's none of that. It's when you've believed, you received, he identified you as his own, and you received his Holy Spirit, his Spirit. Okay, let's look at Ezekiel again, and then we're also going to look at Joel, um, two prophecies talking about, again about um, the, the, the Holy Spirit that we have today. So Ezekiel 36, 26 to 7 we looked at it again. I'm just going to read it for us again. And a new heart I'll give unto you, and a new spirit will I put within you. And I'll take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I'll give you a heart of flesh. And I'll put my spirit within you, and cause you to walk in my statues, and you shall keep my judgments and do them. So now we're going to look at Joel in a moment, but here we see God doing a bunch of things, right? I will give you. I will put within you. I will take away. I will give you a heart of flesh. I'll put my spirit. So the emphasis on what God does, because that is salvation. God did something for us and we receive that. We don't do anything. Amen? Amen. That is faith. Faith, that is the gospel. It's by grace through faith. God's goodness, His desire, His plan, and all we need to do is believe it, receive it. So the emphasis here is what God does for us, what God accomplished for us. I will put within you. But then in Joel, we see a little bit of a a shifting of gear, so to speak, or a different angle of this matter. And Joel 2, 28 to 29 says, And I shall come, and it shall come to pass afterwards, that I'll pour out my Spirit upon all flesh, 
and your sons and daughters shall prophesy, your old men shall dream dreams, your young men shall see visions, and also upon the servants and upon the handmaids in those days will I pour out my spirit. So firstly, I just want to add here, it happens upon all, not just some. Because there's some beliefs within the body of Christ that this empowering that we're talking about is only for a select few. But it is upon all because there's only one salvation, right? And when we received salvation, something happened. We were given God's Spirit. Now in Ezekiel, we see, uh, or in, in Ezekiel we saw salvation, God's work. But now in Joel, it shifts gears and it's talking about the work of the believer. Because who does the prophesying? Is it the Holy Spirit or the believer? Who's speaking right now? Is it Etienne or the Holy Spirit? It's a trick question, uh, I know. Um, it is Etienne speaking. I'm determining the words that is coming out of my mouth. Now it is inspired. Praise God, it's very inspirational, right? And, uh, but it's something that I'm choosing to do right now. And so in Joel, we see a, a, a manifestation of the Spirit. In Ezekiel, he's talking about the indwelling of the Spirit. He's talking about salvation. But now Joel is shifting gears and he's explaining to us a manifestation of. And the emphasis here and the word that is key for us is upon. In Ezekiel, we see the within uh, key word there. And we're going to come back to this um, throughout this morning. So Ezekiel is talking about within and then Joel is talking about an upon. Important to take note here that the Spirit within makes possible the Spirit upon. Because without the Spirit within, there is no upon. There's no manifestation. It's like a load shedding. You can switch on the plugs, but there's nothing happening. Right? We need the empowering. We need the, uh, the Spirit to be available, so to speak, so that when we switch on the plugs, something is happening. So we need the within to have the upon. Okay? So, so Joel explains to us, uh, where the power, or Ezekiel is explaining for us where the power came from, and Joel is exp explaining to us also what the, the power is intended for. Manifestation, prophecy. Uh, and then throughout the New Testament letters, we see a little bit more expounding of the gift of the Spirit, the abilities of the Spirit, and what it was intended for. But in short, just to kind of, uh, we'll, and we'll get into it a little bit more, but uh, just to settle this in your heart, in short, the gift of the Spirit is for the will of God to be manifested, which is for the world to be saved and to come to knowledge of the truth. The gift of the Spirit is, uh, I love the, um, uh, Reinhard Bonnke says, the, the gift of the Spirit is not badges of honor to wear on a Sunday, but it is tools to get the job done. What's the job? To make the will of God become a reality, which is for the world to be saved and to come to knowledge of the truth. And so it's not this uh, fun thing to be used to have fun with, but it's to get the job done for people to experience salvation, which is Christ in us, to bring that about. Let's go to uh, the, 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 and answer some of the questions that you might have in light of some of the references in the book of Acts. I believe it was last week or the, the week before we looked at, again, just the composition of the Bible. And one of the things that we explained is that Acts is an eyewitness account primarily. Uh, written from the point of view of recording what was seen. Now, in Joel, in the, the, the prophecy of Joel, we see certain things, right? We see prophecy. We see uh, uh, believers having dreams, having visions. That's something visible. Then obviously when you're communicating that, right? But then in Ezekiel, we don't see something because you can't see salvation, right? 
You can see the fruits of salvation, but you can't see salvation. Right? You can't see the Spirit of God in man. You can see the Spirit of God upon man, and you often see it uh, very much through my life, especially Catherine. Um, no, she sees a lot of uh, flesh in my life as well. Um, praise God for a, a wonderful wife that doesn't uh, keep record of my wrongs. She's very Christ-like in that way. But let's go to Acts chapter 2 quickly. Acts chapter 2, I'm prophesying. Acts chapter 2 verse 4, it says, And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So we see something here. This is the, the, the first account of the Holy Spirit's outpouring on the believers in, in uh, uh, Jerusalem. And it says, And they were filled with the Holy Ghost, and something happened. What happened? They began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So again, who was doing the speaking? The believers. <laughs> Trick question. When, when uh, I'm speaking in tongues, I choose to speak in tongues, right? But the Spirit is giving the inspiration. He's the empowering. The same with load shedding, if you think about that. Uh, just because there's power doesn't mean that all of your plants are just going to go on. Think about that, right? If you want to make some coffee, you need to go and switch on the machine. Not the kettle, right? <laughs> no, I'm joking. You can make good uh, coffee with the kettle and a mocha pot as well or plunger. Um, but uh, just because there's power doesn't mean that the appliances are just going to be operating. And there's a say with the Holy Spirit. Just because the empowering is there doesn't mean that you're just going to be operating. Right? We need to switch on. We need to activate and make this work. So the Spirit gave them the utterance. So the Spirit is the empowering, but we speak. And so let's go to Acts chapter 1 verse 5 where it also says, For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days from here. So again, water was always or oftentimes used in reference to the Holy Spirit coming. So when, Jesus, or when we see this, uh, this reference to John baptizing with water and Jesus baptizing with the Holy Ghost, it's important to identify and realize yet that there is a connect, there is a, there is a link, right? The baptism of the Holy Spirit is the baptism into Christ, into the family of God. And the word baptized is an immersion, we are immersed into Christ. We intertwine into God. We've become one with Him. As we looked at 1 Corinthians 6, 17. So John baptized with water, and uh, we looked at this, and uh, we might look at this in the, in the coming weeks as well. But we see John's baptism ushering into us and showing, uh, showing to us something that was to come, which is baptism into Christ, which is often referenced as baptism of the Holy Ghost. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 13, let's go there. It says, for by one spirit, say one. one. What does one mean? Does it mean two or three? It means one. It's, uh, it's, very, uh, it's very simple. So for by one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. We were immersed into one body. Whether it be Jews or Gentiles, whether it be born or free. And have all been made to drink into one spirit. So how often is the word one used here? A lot. Just a kind of, a, I'm not asking you to count, but uh, we see this reference of one continually being used. One spirit, baptized into one body, and then made to drink into one spirit. Why drink again? Oftentimes the reference of water. But also we see um, this, this, this concept, and that's what we'll get into in the, into the coming weeks. We see drinking of the spirit 
And uh, Paul, using this analogy in uh, one of his letters of, do not be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I've uh, taught on that a little bit, but just to kind of quickly go there, being, what, what does it require for you to be drunk with wine? Is it, uh, do you smell alcohol and then you get, uh, no, you actually have to consume it. You have to partake of the, 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 the whatever the, the, the drink is. And it's the same with the Holy Spirit. When we are con- uh, having contact with and we are uh, consuming, there will be a manifestation because a drunk person looks silly, right? A drunk person looks silly. And so there's a, a drinking of the Spirit that is something that we need to partake of regularly. And so that's oftentimes the referencing that we see when we see a manifestation of and the wording that is being used. So what is generally called the baptism of the Holy Spirit is not receiving God's Spirit, but it's uh, 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 realizing and activating what you've received. It's, it's almost, uh, um, I can't remember who said this, but Shane referenced this now a few times uh, uh, in Ronnebosch. Welcome Shane and Marna, by the way. Uh, so for those of you guys that don't know Shane and Marna, um, good friends of mine, but also founders of the ministry. So please uh, say hello to them and bombard them with all of your questions that I haven't been able to answer yet. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. Um, but this is important. So the baptism of the Holy Spirit that we often see in reference here is not the receiving of God's Spirit, but it's, it's uh, giving over to yielding to, yielding to the Holy Spirit. And that oftentimes comes, comes difficult because uh, we creatures of not wanting to yield. We're creatures of not wanting to submit to and obey. We want to do it our way, right? None of you, praise God, you fully submitted to my leadership and you don't ever uh, give me a a hard time. That was a little bit of sarcasm, obviously, uh, (laughs) if you didn't pick it up. But it's drawing from the wells within. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is drawing from the wells within. Because we've already established this, you've already got the Holy Spirit. When you receive God's Spirit... Or when you receive Christ, you receive the Spirit. So there's no second occurrence of receiving anything. But it's coming to understand what you have and then switching on the plugs. Switching on the appliances. In closing, Acts chapter 8, we want to see an overflow. We want to see a manifestation. We want to see the visible as we saw in Joel. We don't want to just have the indwelling, right? We want to have the upon as well. We want to have the manifestation. Acts chapter 8, 14 to 17. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard the Samaritans had accepted God's message of life, what does that mean to accept God's message of life? It means to receive salvation, right? Receiving Christ. So they accepted God's message of life. They sent Peter and John to pray over them so that they would receive the Holy Spirit. For they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus and were, not, uh, were yet to have the Holy Spirit fall upon them. What did we see in Joel? The word upon. So these believers had received something, salvation, received the Holy Spirit, but they haven't experienced an upon manifestation yet. Right? So here, again, perfect example in Acts, they, they, they're explaining something. They, they, they're talking about eyewitness account. Uh, so there's a, there's a within reality that the believers had. But they haven't seen the upon reality yet. So then they, they're referencing it as a second account, just to make sense of 
what they weren't seeing in the believers, thinking that there isn't something. So for a lot of you, you haven't seen upon manifestation, and you think you haven't received the Spirit of God when you're reading scriptures like this. But it, is, it doesn't line in with the rest of the Word. We need to look at the Word in its entirety, and we need to understand and rightly divide the Word, the word of truth. Like in Ezekiel and Joel's uh, ex expounding, Ezekiel talked about it within, and then Joel talked about it with, uh, uh, upon. And so here the believers, they don't see an upon manifestation yet, and so they send the believers to go and pray for them. Verse 17, As soon as Peter and John arrived, they laid their hands on the Samaritan believers, one after another, and the Holy Spirit fell and filled each one of them. So they're talking again about a manifestation. They're seeing something, because that is the book of Acts. It's writing about what they saw. And you can't see the Spirit within, but you can see the Spirit upon and so just because they didn't see the Spirit upon doesn't mean that there wasn't something within. Is this making sense? So we need to understand that the only way that we can have a Spirit upon is by having a Spirit within. And sometimes we see throughout the Bible there was laying of hands or praying for believers, and that oftentimes helped them come to understand, and there was a, 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 a linking and making the lights go on. Right? If the lights go on here, yeah, it's not... We're making light appear or a power appear that wasn't there. The power was there, but we're switching on the lights. And then we see the manifestation of what is there. And this is what we see throughout the Bible. And so with this concept of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it is not a second receiving of the Holy Spirit because there's only one Holy Spirit. But it's an activating and realizing what we have and drawing from those streams and those wells of power. So what happens when we receive and accept God's message? We receive His Spirit. And these were believers. They've received the Spirit of God. And then they just it required other believers to come and help activate and make them realize what was within. And so maybe that is for some of us this morning, and uh, I believe there will be a number of us who haven't seen the manifestation, we haven't seen and experienced an upon ministry of the Holy Spirit. You can find more of our free teachings on our website www.gracelife.ca And if you're ever in the Tigerberg area, we invite you to join us for one of our gatherings. Our aim is to help you discover Jesus, find family, and experience life. To contact us, or to find out where and when we meet, visit our website www.gracelife.ca